0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's Thursday. We have another edition of the MSP Initiative Live. Circling back with our buddy, Ken Patterson, and our other buddy, Paul Redding, uh, which is uh, two guys, along with myself, that were on the Channel Strong Tour 2.0 that we did back in um, late October. How's everyone doing today? Doing
1: good, thanks. How are you?
0: It's uh, it's not quite wintertime yet, but you know, I I, c- I could use a little bit more heat for a little bit longer. Does that make sense?
1: It, it, it's already cold down here in Memphis. Like it's been in the 20s this week.
0: Oh, yikes! Nobody wants that. No, no, not at all. Uh, I, I guess Ken, you're you're kind of in my boat from a weather standpoint. I think we're gonna take a little bit of a whine the road between me and you. Soon. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We got uh we had snow already. We had uh hurricane tornado warnings, uh, and then it was back up to 70s and then went back down. It's it crazy. Typical New England weather.
0: Yeah. I, I'm I'm uh I'm not I'm not down for the you know crazy snow that you get sometimes. So all good. All right, so it's been about a month right i feel like a lot's changed since then (laughs) but uh it's been about a month um i'm just thinking back to the tour it's something came to my mind out of nowhere the other day i don't know why um we had a guy on the tour i think it was in um it was before cincinnati probably columbus had a guy on the tour that had the surface duo phone did you remember that it was a purple one. No, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was the first, like I was a big, I was on the Microsoft phone ba- bandwagon way, way, way back. Right. Like when switch Fox was still a thing. <laughs> right. The keyboard. Um, and they also had the HTC like sliding thing with the keyboard. And, um, and then I've been an iPhone ever since. And it was just interesting that um, this guy had this new the, new, the new Microsoft phone. And I was like, okay, well, let's check it out wasn't bad it wasn't bad it, like i would never do the first generation one but i might keep an eye on it <laughs> i haven't
1: even seen one in person i don't I don't know how i missed that on the tour
0: i don't know I, I, it was purple and the, like that's how i spotted it i'm like who in the hell has this purple phone <laughs> yeah for sure so did you see did you catch that patterson that was the that was the stop where we did the chick-fil-a
2: yeah no i mean i of course remember chick-fil-a but i did not see the purple
0: phone yeah So have you have you looked into the Microsoft Duo phone at all? Like, I'm sure you guys heard about it, right?
2: Heard about it. Didn't really look into it. I'm not a big change my phone every time something comes out type of uh, person. You know, I get a phone. I stick with it because in the past I was. I got all excited being a technology, you know, someone in technology. And then I realized after, I don't know, however many times I get all excited. I get it. And it's just another phone because that's what I use it for. You know what I mean? Like I had the note where I thought I was going to write all these notes out. I had, you know, I've had all the toys, but at the end of the day, it's a phone. And, I, and I, the excitement gets done. As soon as I buy it, I'm like, what happened? Where was all this excitement? What was I excited for? So yeah, it'd have to be something pretty life-altering for me to say, oh, I got to jump my phone and change it again.
1: Yeah, I jumped over from Android to iPhone right after the exploding notes. You remember those? Like, couldn't carry them <laughs> on an airplane. So, I yeah. get my new phone. I'm super excited about it. I'm like, you, I'm like, I know I'm going to write all these notes. And I, I did actually like that phone. And then two weeks later, I can't get on a plane with it. You know what I mean? I switched to Apple at that point. And I haven't, I have not been looking at other devices. I just got the new massive phone. I got the uh, iPhone 12 Max. You know, it's like a tablet in your pocket.
0: I have the pro. I I just got the 12 Pro, not the Max, because I, I wanted to be able to like put it in my front pocket. Number two, I was forced into that phone change. I was not planning to switch phones. We don't necessarily have to go into that story, but uh, yes, I am no longer no longer a Verizon wireless customer, and will never be ever again. Oh wow! Yes, they are officially on the George blacklist, <laughs> and, and for good reason. You know, it's hard to get off that list.
1: There is a way off that list.
0: I don't think so. <laughs> uh so that was one cool thing I remember from the tour that hit me out of nowhere because I was in Best Buy the other day and I saw it on the display and I was like, oh, that's right. I remember this guy with the purple phone. Um I, I mean the dual screen phone, right? Um, although I it does remind me of another story where and it's you know, we all forgot our phones on the bus at a stop. And then, and then the bus drove away.
1: Yeah. And yep. you guys didn't believe us at first. You thought I was messing with you. I walked Yeah, in well, in no, gas- no,
2: no. <laughs> when 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 Clay came in, we didn't believe it. Then you came in behind him and said, It's true, guys. <laughs> but remember I'm never getting off the bus
1: without my phone again.
2: Well, you got off the phone without your phone and your food. That's the bigger problem
1: right that's true you guys had just gotten your lunch so at least
2: you got to sit there and eat while we waited (laughs) on the bus we just sat down in booth and started eating we're like no big deal okay
1: by the time i got on the bus my food was stone cold so i was like mad and hungry
2: (laughs) but don't forget i did say paul why don't you just get another sandwich it's gonna be a while
1: (laughs) that's a good point like i I was too irritated at that point to eat
2: and you yeah, know no, that was I, that was the uh, the best the best time I've ever been left behind. It was I was comfortable, I was
0: warm and I had food. So I wasn't worried about it.
2: You know. And you were well, dry.
0: well, yeah. The fact that you've been left behind more than once says a lot. This is true. Um, <laughs> the reality, the reality <laughs> is that. This time you weren't stranded with basically nothing. Right. It was an improvement.
2: Yes. I mean, you couldn't have got any worse unless it started hailing or the ground opened up. I mean, think about it. <laughs> I was alone. I had no wallet. I had it, it started to pour out.
0: I mean, I had nowhere to go. <laughs> I mean, at least we stopped eventually. You, you
2: only know. had to walk a mile. Yeah, it wasn't too bad.
0: Wow, that's all right. Chade, who's probably on a on a on a break outside, she's a, she was the one that was stranded on the bus with. Like she started texting and calling people and like all the phones started. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have seen that as she calls everybody, each phone rings. It's, it's, it's totally a reality scene, right? Like, okay, what do I do now?
2: Yeah. 100%. I could just, you know, she's being driven off into the sunset.
0: <laughs> yeah. That wasn't uh, that probably wasn't, we'll try and avoid that next time for sure um so thinking about you know the um and paul you know since we've been through a few of these some of the same questions come up but everybody has a different different thing so was there any one conversation with anyone you know any msp that you you had on you know the two-week trip that uh that springs out to you right somebody that was maybe doing something different somebody that was doing well uh anything that maybe pops out at you
1: Man, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think that let's take it as a collective as a whole. It's not one conversation. It's the whole mood and... Uh, trajectory of the channel you know when we first went out on the road I, I don't think any of us knew what we were going to find out there right like is anybody going to show up to this thing is everybody going to stand 50 feet apart and freak out you know and, and I, what I was impressed with is that everyone we talked to is experiencing some kind of growth and it wasn't the temporary bang everybody had to run home you grew 300 tickets because you moved them over to remote services kind of deal right it's I think that the channel as a whole everybody I talked who seemed to feel that their customers had a wake-up call here, that people were like, oh, God, I need to listen to the IT guy all of a sudden. And I think as a whole, this has springboarded a lot of both development in software, but also like um, – Uh, business development for people you know we're in the medical sector and I can tell you right now telehealth jumped forward five years overnight it's not going back in that box right like we're not going back to a place where you assume you have to go sit in the waiting room with everybody ever again and and that same that same change has happened all across the channel everybody I talk to it's like how have you done this year Eh. I had a weak spot right there when it slowed down and now I'm seeing, you know, the best Q4 I've seen in my career. So that was really encouraging.
2: Yeah, we had even uh, small shops like we talked about on one of the other calls, George, and, and you know this, Paul, we were uh, Chicago. Um, the one guy came up and said, you know, Ken, uh, I just wanna say, thank God before we did this, we started transitioning to M365 and, we, and we, so he was moving to the cloud, moving to more secure. And um, he's a smaller shop and he ended up hiring four people since this started. So I was blown away that, um, not that I don't think any, I mean, when my business was that size, I don't think I could have done that separate from a pandemic. During a pandemic, he's hired four new people that are not in his office, right? He hired them, did the interview, and then they're working from home right out of the gate as technicians for his company. And he said, he's gonna hire another one, you know, by the end of that week. So. For me, you're right. I, seeing that type of stuff happen is very positive. Now, again, that's not saying that this whole entire thing has been rah rah rah. We're all winning, but um, for the most part, we've seen people either stay the same, which is still a which is still a very good task when you think about certain areas getting hit harder, or get bigger and and grow. And I think that's the that's also attributed attributed to most of those people were forward thinking and already moving to work, not maybe work from home, but cloud, right? And I think that's just a big piece of it. And you know, for you, Paul, from a compliance standpoint, holy moly, right? There's so many questions. I can't tell you, I'll tell you, from being on the bus, I got more, you know, you and I spent a lot of time together, mission briefings, other places, but on the bus tour, I had more people come to me and ask questions that you answered so eloquently about compliance because of what happened in the pandemic that I learned a lot. Forget about, I, I, know, I know you and I know a lot of this stuff, but man, on the bus tour, by far, I learned so much from you talking to the MSPs who are asking questions like, okay, you know, did things get pulled away from, from telehealth, for instance? You know, can we just do that willy-nilly now? And you're like, no. Right, and you go into that conversation and things like that were just really, really uh, I, I, good to I watch mean, and witness. I
0: think I think it's clear that you know, listen, the same thing that's kind of happening in the MSP space, right? People merging, people getting rolled up into larger orgs, has been happening in the medical space for a while, right? right. I mean, especially when all the healthcare laws changed back, you know, three, four, five years ago, it became harder to make money, right? You had to see more people in less amount of time, which it's kind of what's happening now, just virtually, right? The problem is, as a result, a lot of these individual or smaller practice guys—I mean, I'm sure Paul will triple down on what I'm about to say—were like, "Hip hop I'm too small. They're never going to look at me. Right. No problem. Don't <laughs> waste my time or my money. I got other fish to fry. I'll spend my money over here." And they were, you know, half you know, half asking. It's probably the right way to say it. Doing it wrong uh, because they thought they were never going to really be in the bullseye. Um, now working from home, they're cutting even more corners, probably, right? They're on their home stuff. (laughs) I mean, yeah, they're in there like, and, you know, we had Paul on earlier, a couple times earlier this year, you know, when the pandemic first kicked off and everybody was like, oh, well, yeah, the government like temporarily suspended HIPAA. And Paul's like, (laughs) whoa, whoa,
2: where did you hear that?
0: Not right. But I mean, the challenge was they were already shoestringing it in some cases they already thought they weren't in the, in, in the potential, you know, target zone. And now they're probably even worse off in some cases. I'll go one step further until Paul starts his, his, uh, his soapbox. But (laughs) the other thing I learned from the trip from Paul, you know, specifically about HIPAA and medical is that when you get a HIPAA, when you get, you know, the, the, Certified, you basically get a certified package in the mail or a letter saying that you're getting audited. Nobody shows up at your door. And I didn't even think about that, right? I'm thinking, oh, there's an audit. Like somebody's coming to show up. They got like a you know a little badge. Hey, you know, show me all your stuff. No, like you get a letter in the mail saying, Hey, you need to reply with the next days. Good luck. So, Paul, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, and maybe for the people that are watching this, explain. What happens when you get that letter in the mail? I don't think people realize what the audit process is.
1: That, that's, sadly, that's why 94% of people fail their audits. Like it's a way over nine out of 10 folks are gonna fail an audit every time it happens. The reason is because I think in our heads, we have this idea, like you said, somebody's gonna show up and you get to talk to them. So, you're going to get to say things like, Look, I'm a small shop. I got like three employees. I get there's no explanation. There's no conversation between you and the auditor. To your point, he doesn't have a clipboard and a little pencil and walk around like poking through stuff. If the guy's already digging through your office, you're done. Like you, your credit card better be sitting right next to everything else on the desk. You know what I mean?
0: Will they accept credit card? I, I doubt it. I don't know. Maybe your house does,
1: right? Maybe the deed to your house. Now, what, what happens is first of all, an audit happens because there's an incident. If there's an incident of any kind, and that doesn't have to be a breach, although yes, obviously ransomware, any of those is going to be an incident. Let's say a, a patient gets mad at you and when they leave, they call and say, I saw this doctor throw away my medical record in the trash. They're not shredding medical records up there. Somebody has to do an investigation. An investigation, to your point, is usually a quick touch. Hey, this has been reported. Documentation immediately around what's been said right here. And they evaluate that incident. If it's either a big enough incident to warrant an actual audit or your immediate response is not spot on perfect, we move into audit land. And to your point, you're going to get a certified letter. You're going to have 10 days to have it right back to them, and all they're going to ask for is your documentation, your risk assessments, your proof of training, your policies and procedures specifically relating it to and around the incident, your breach notification policies, all that goes in place. So it's actually really simple. If you hand that in, even though the breach happened, if you were doing what was right in the first place, you're not going to be fine. But the problem is that you don't get to say, look, flip to page 14 right there. See how I drew the red circle around it right there? That's why I didn't encrypt my machines. <laughs> or that's why, right, there's none of that, man. A lawyer wrote the law, or lawyers wrote the law, and it's going to be audited and reviewed by other lawyers who will decide how much you're going to pay.
0: So,
2: uh, George, really, so, yeah, go ahead. I, like, I, I always like to point out, because I was he, waiting I don't for it. I don't know why Paul doesn't point it out. I think he waits for it. It's the coolest thing ever, though. So you just mentioned, I mean, think about that. 94% failure rate of audits. So you imagine that means everybody's failing. But Paul, you guys have a record of having 100% of your people not fail an audit that are your clients. That's
1: correct. The seal of compliance we issue at the end of our process says that we validated and verified everything that you've done under HIPAA. For example, PAX-8 carries that seal of compliance, right? And that means that if PAX-8 gets audited under HIPAA, we're gonna produce all that documentation and everything for them. And that's reason no matter what happens, you're not gonna fail that audit. We've never had somebody get that seal fail because we don't just give it to you because you hand us a check, right? Like there's a process you've gotta go through and we're gonna do it for you and make sure that you do it right. It's not the hardest thing in the world to do. You just got to do all of it.
0: Well, it's not the hardest thing in the world to work on your business instead of in your business, but (laughs) Um, the other other thing that I think people, so back to the, hey, the doctor's already shoestringing it. Hey, the doctor's really, you know, in, in a home, not anything's really done right. Oh, by the way, you can get audited really easily, right? Somebody can just create a complaint anonymously, right? And that's enough to start something. But like, I think part of the other problem is people think, oh, I did it already. Um, What do you mean you did it already? Oh, yeah, I did that HIPAA stuff already. I was like, but it's not like a one-time thing. Like, you're supposed to do it every year (laughs) at least, right? And I think that's the other misperception, right? It's like, oh, I I passed my test. I'm good. I never have to go back to high school again. It's not that way. And I think people, that's like, you know, that's the broken knowledge part of this whole thing.
1: Yeah, you have to have a culture of compliance. Compliance is like a marathon with no finish line. The way you lose is to stop running. As long as you can show that you're out there, you're running, you're doing the right thing, you're okay. But you're right. People think it's one of the biggest problems that people have is you're online, you like download a templated policy that means nothing to your business, doesn't in any way reflect what you do. You have your IT guy through a firewall in the corner, maybe put out some antivirus. You got HIPAA compliant, right? It's a series of audits. It's training your people. And, and, you know, when I say that culture of compliance, compliance as a whole, whether it's HIPAA, CMMC, any form of, of regulatory compliance affects everyone inside your organization. It is a organizational wide problem that has to be dealt with. And that's the other place where people really fall on their face is in small business. You go, well, I mean, look, I filled out that survey. The IT guys got their side. We're good. It's not an IT problem. It's a business problem.
0: I I love the other part where, and this going back to, I don't know if shadow IT is the right thing. Maybe it's just straight up cheapness but like the people who are bringing like the residential stuff to the table, right. The doctor's like, Oh yeah. I signed up for uh, i backup some, you know, some, Oh my, Oh, I don't worry. My I'm on my Mac. I signed up for the uh, Apple backup. We're good. 999 <laughs> $9 a month. And I'm just like, Ooh, <laughs> I was like, did you ask Apple for their BAA? They're like, Oh, I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, Paul, this happens all the time though. Right? Like if you can't get a BAA, technically You're not using it, right?
1: No, that's correct. Yeah. If if it can touch your EPHI conceivably, the law literally uses the word conceivably, right? So if you can maybe run into EPHI through that system, you got to have a business associate agreement on file. And by the way, you also have to set the products up correctly. Ken, I think you'll vouch for this. Microsoft 365, M365 is a fabulous solution built to help you achieve HIPAA compliance or any kind of regulatory compliance. But out of the box, it's not set up that way. It takes professionals, it takes know-how, and it takes you going in and following best practices and doing this stuff right. Or if you read the fine print and the business associate agreement with Microsoft, you're not covered. You have to do it right yourself. That's one of the bigger things too, is these guys that go, I moved to the cloud, I'm compliant. I don't need an MSP. I don't need IT now. I've got an EHR out here in a 365 mailbox. Man, that's not going to cut it.
2: Well, you also, also have to point to Article 6B of Microsoft's agreement that states specifically, we are not backing up your data. So, then also not backing it up either. So, you still have to go out and get a drop suite, someone that's going to back that up and give you a BAA yes. to see that it's backed up as well. So, there's so many different things that if you're not paying attention, and the, list, the info's out there, right? We've all talked about this ad nauseum. So, the info's out there. I think to George's point, a lot of people are working in their business and not on their business. It's a cliche, but it's also true, 100%. Um, so I think that's a big thing to talk about too, is you, know, you, gotta, you gotta start thinking about your business, how it's gonna operate and how you're gonna protect it before you even go out and protect other people's businesses. I think that's one of the things in, in that, you know,
1: on the tour that I really learned is from the MSP community that, like I said, i don't call it a wake up call. No, not everybody got that call, right? Or they, they may have heard the phone ringing and they didn't answer. But the people out there that, that, you know, actually are looking, you know, it's like I view it as a business. You know, the MSP that works the help desk tickets, right? That guy that owns that business is struggling, you know, to work in that, you know, like, in the business instead of on it doctors are the same way right so if you go in to talk to you know this particular client and it's the doctor who's in the back doing the you know patient treatment his wife is checking you in his kid is sweeping the floor maybe they didn't jump ahead and realize you know to get their head out of the sand and do this but the ones that have that practice management structure in place that knew before the whole pandemic, they had places to go with this business. They're trying to grow it. And this is not a lifestyle. It's a a living organism. Those folks saw the writing on the wall fast. I must adopt and adapt to survive. And that's going to continue in 2021. I think that, you know, if telehealth is something that's going you know, to going to stay, look back to the MSPs I talked to on the on the road, you realize how many MSPs had no remote employees pre-pandemic and are now saying, I just learned not only can I run an entire remote shop, but I can work nationally because of it. I talked to multiple MSPs that all of a sudden said, hey man, you know, partners of ours that look for leads, right? And they go, you know, I used to be in the Chicago area. Now I'll take anything, anywhere. Because what's happened is before that client might've thought, well, I need my guy to be down the street. Hey man, for almost a year now, nobody's come into your office anyway. It's all gone remote and it's going to stay that way. And I think it's a great opportunity for some of these MSPs to expand into national markets too.
0: Well, until the Linksys W54G router blows up.
2: (laughs) Well, Paul, in the reverse. (laughs)
0: Amazing how many of those are still out there, right? Um, In the reverse of that's happening
2: too, they can actually hire anywhere in the world, right? Absolutely. It used to be like places like, you know, our our friends in, in Louisiana, right? There's certain places in Louisiana where you can't find tech help, right? It's a struggle to find good engineers. Well, now you can have help from anywhere, And they and, you know, and obviously you still got to do your due diligence when you're screening these people, but you get a good person that's in California that's going to help you in Louisiana and, uh, you know, they can do the job and they can take care of your clients. That's that's great. It makes things a heck of a lot easier. So there's ways that that's going to help as well.
1: You know, when I was an MSP, that's something that just kind of like a bone to throw out there for guys that are trying to expand and figure out how you cover that multiple time zone thing. You know, we're in central time and we had clients in East and we had clients in the West. We ended up hiring a couple of remote technicians that work in the Pacific Northwest, specifically because that last couple hours after my East Coast clients closed, these guys are on regular shift, right? So I think those kind of things, both skill-based hiring, you know, getting just, the right person for the job not because they happen to be the closest and being able to stack your desk with people that conceivably are in a different time zone and give you more depth without having to run after
2: hours right yeah 100
0: um so <laughs> I'll, I'll throw this one out there now so i don't forget about it you know it is, <laughs> just, this is Patterson's favorite question right you know favorite <laughs> favorite food on the tour I know you're you're very particular about your food, Paul, but we had some good food trucks. We had a lot of people like some of the Italian joints. We had a lot of people like certain trucks. Like um, I got apparently the truck the very, very last day was um Red State Barbecue. Apparently it was like one of the best ones in the on the whole trip, and we didn't even know. But uh was there any was there any one one place truck area that you were just like this was the jam?
1: Uh, From coming out of Memphis, you know, being obviously very picky about barbecue and, you know, I come from a a part of the country that has not only good barbecue, but a very specific style thereof. So that's something I'm kind of snotty about in general. And i Man, heard too
0: much about Kansas City barbecue versus right, Memphis. Versus, barbecue. Right,
1: right, right. And, and most of the time, I'm disappointed. That last truck in, in Lexington was absolutely fabulous. And I'll back up a tour before this and say, out of the two, the one that blew my mind was a food truck in was Temecula, California. Marietta, man, that's one of the better, like, best Texas barbecue I think I've ever had was in a food truck in California. But you're right, man. We ate really (laughs) well. We ate really well on this, especially this last trip was great.
0: It's almost like me getting a cheesesteak out of Philly, right? I'm not, I'm not, number one, I'm not, not but number two, if I did, I would not be happy with it. Correct. Now, whether it's Patterson taking me into some Italian joint with no cell phone signal in Boston, that's
2: a good story. What place in Boston? It was Regina. Uh-huh, there you go. Yeah. Nothing fancy, but we, we roll we roll into the Regina and he's like, My phone stuff she went out. I'm like, it's an Italian place. What do you expect, dude?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, Well, why do you think when they bring you in here, like, you know, when stuff happens, they can't track you. You're like, You okay. <laughs> oh, start getting they're gonna, cut, they're, gonna, they're gonna chop me up and start taking me out in sauce cans. Now, you guys, and talking about
1: neat places that we ran into on the road, you guys, I don't think, made it down. Did you make it to the speakeasy in the pizza joint in Indianapolis? No. You come down there? That was cool. So we walked down the street in Indianapolis from the hotel that night, and you walk into a pizza delivery place. Like, there's no tables. It's straight up. They do delivery and counter service, right? Everyone acts like they don't see you. They just, like, act. Like it's totally normal as you walk through their kitchen There's a little hole in the wall, and then it's a spooky <laughs> in the back. That was pretty cool. Like that's the, our waiter at dinner that night told us to wander down
0: there, and I think those of us that stayed I, up. I would, I would love to be like the teenager on his like first gig, you know, like uh, on a, on a job just trying to make some money on the side, and having like people roll by, and be like, well, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and they just like disappear into the wall. You are like, that doesn't look right. Yeah, what about would, the place
2: in uh, What about the place in Cleveland? That was something we forgot about. George and I forgot, and Joel pointed it out to us. The little, the the uh, Oh God, the picky place. It was just all picky food. The the bar that had nobody in it but us. Right next. Yeah, to- it
0: was. It was right it was the- Right down the street from the basketball. Were,
2: were you in Cleveland? Was Paul oh, Yeah, Paul oh, was there. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Yes. And it looked like the Ghostbusters building. Remember? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I never spent any time in like, yeah, you know, the downtown Cleveland spot, you know, area. Oh, it was nice.
2: All, it was better than I expected. Yeah, and we didn't even get to it like really stay and enjoy it, right? We just did the bar and hung out there waiting for waiting to leave and take off from there. But uh, you know, yeah, everything was cool down there. It was nice, nice looking. Uh, but not a lot of people were out for obvious reasons and we had a nice open area to to enjoy that, but uh yeah, that was one of the better places. Joel reminded us of that. We were like, yeah, you know what? That was actually pretty good. It was just picky bar food, but it was good.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I, I really feel like we missed out on, like, I didn't realize how much downtown areas in like Cincinnati and Columbus and St. Louis. Pittsburgh, that's-
1: man. Pittsburgh was, wow, Pittsburgh. Say, Pittsburgh was a beautiful city. I and mean, that's one, you know, as much as I travel, I bet I haven't been to Pittsburgh since I was like 10 years old or something. You know what I mean? So I really didn't factor into my head that it was going to be such a gorgeous town and you know the leaves were changing all that it was beautiful you
0: you just saw the nice part (laughs) downtown was really pretty too i walked around closer
2: you get to the stadium george will tell you it smells but you said it not me
0: (laughs) and whatever you do don't buy a hot dog from the stadium
2: no oh that's where the tires go (laughs) It was nice. Pittsburgh was nice. And I haven't, I've never got to enjoy it like that. I mean, I went with George at the beginning to go to the game and we walked, you know, we walked to the stadium and then we got to enjoy it by going to that restaurant around the corner. That was pretty nice uh, other than the the person at the end, but it was a, it was a good place.
0: Um, So one of the things I thought was really cool that I took away was um, the guy who um, in Cincinnati, who's an NFL referee. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah like he shows up with his corvette and and his license plate says thanks nfl and I'm like <laughs> i was like you boys with roger goodell or something what's going on <laughs> i was funny. like i was like i thought it's hard to get one of those gigs he's like no i'm i'm a replay i'm a replay uh official i'm like oh yeah you he's gotta a, get you him see, you, got, you got a tough job pal he said if you
2: see my face you're not having a good day and <laughs> they have to go up to the booth because they don't go up there they do it down on the field but when something goes wrong that's when the camera goes up and shows the guy up in the booth there's the guy up here <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: i mean talk about i mean everybody grows up with the uh, team right like i guess when you're like we ask people like all right well, what team do you actually follow it's like i don't follow any teams you're supposed to be in yeah. right i don't know if i could do that i mean i guess yeah. if the money's right everybody will do anything but
2: if you don't can get a Corvette that says, thanks NFL, I'm sure he's pretty happy with his gig.
0: Uh, yeah, I agree.
2: And it wasn't just any Corvette. That was the brand new latest edition, you know, the high horsepower, beautiful looking. I mean, it, it didn't compare to Pete's ride, right? I was, about to, I was just about to say, was it yeah. as nice with the race car following us around? Well, it, it was nice looking. Like I liked the way it looked. It almost looked like a Ferrari, but, um, when he came back from his ride with Pete, because we heard them on the highway. I don't know if you heard them, but he pulled them out on the highway and you heard him fly by and Pete, they both get out of the car and I go, so how do you think your vet would do? He goes, see how close they are right now? I go, yeah. He goes, that's about as close as I was getting when the race start. He goes, I wouldn't see him again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. He admitted it right out of the gate and said, Pete's car is way faster.
1: That Things are rocking on wheels.
0: Maybe, maybe next time. I, I think Pete wants to go to like a racetrack.
1: hey man you know there's several when you do that central u.s you know that we call it the ohio valley americana right here yeah man there's racetracks in every town we could have done that in memphis if we come back through here
0: like it's like hey what are you doing tonight i don't know let's go to the racetrack
1: sure right
0: (laughs) all right grab a case of beer um it'll be interesting to see how that goes um one of the other ones that i thought was pretty cool was um yeah, like I started. I started on the sec on the first trip we were all over the place, and I never thought about it. On the second trip, I started like taking taking notes on parking lots <laughs> that we were <laughs> that we were setting up in. And I was like, "All right, yeah, no, I don't like this type of parking lot." And then, like, all of a sudden, you start becoming a parking lot connoisseur. But hey, you mm-hmm. know, if that's where we're living, I mean, what are you gonna do?
2: Hey, we did have the one stop where the porta potty was dropped off at a separate parking lot from where we were. Yeah, yeah, right. that was it. I mean, it was close enough for us to walk to, but it was raining, and, and the hotel was right around the corner. Remember, we drove a pretty good bl- couple of blocks before we realized that the hotel was only a walk away from where we needed
0: to go. Yeah, like literally, you would go Google Maps, oh, you great. down street, you come back around, it's like across the way. Yeah, yeah that's that's right, uh, I, uh, that was
1: back, I was to the bathroom. I didn't use the porta potty. It was that's right.
2: To the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cincinnati. That's where that was. Oh, no, no, that was no, Cleveland. that was uh, it was Cle- Cleveland, Cleveland. I only remember because I remember the people. Bob Coppage was there, so it was Cleveland. Right.
1: You're right. That was Cleveland. Because then,
2: no, that was Pittsburgh. Was it Pittsburgh? No, it was Cleveland. It was Cleveland. I, I, I remember because it yeah, was, you're right. It's the day before Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh, we had the building. We didn't need a porta potty yeah. in Cleveland. We had a space, no building. So yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting, but as usual, we pulled it off and it all worked out, but that was pretty, that was interesting walking around so, like the, okay, the one,
0: the one, in Pitt, the one in Pittsburgh, like they ran their own data center. Yeah. Out of that's, the right. Building. that's right. And yeah. they had, and center.
2: they had their race cars, which
0: that mm-hmm. was my favorite. the must, the GT that was beautiful. Yeah.
1: That was yeah,
0: that, that was funny. a beautiful car. Um, one of the you know, so we had uh, Larry from MSP CFL on on Tuesday, and he was saying that the majority of people, like he obviously has a block of, of people that you know, can, he he's their virtual CFL, right? Um, and obviously he has this whole software package and it does all these bells and whistles. But he was saying that um, the majority of the people he worked with, uh, you know, didn't really cut a lot of headcount. If anything, there were status quo or uh, some people added, but nobody really shut down and disappeared off the map, right? And then he was also giving suggestions on, you know, some of the stuff that we talk about, you know, doing at the end of the year, he's like, you should be doing that the whole way through, right? If you're waiting to the end of the year, you're doing yourself a disservice. When we were on the tour and we were talking to people and we said, hey, what what does next year look like? A lot of people were saying that they were looking to expand coming into Q1 and Q2. To be honest yeah. with you, did you guys get the same message? Oh yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah.
2: That was like I said, we you know we ran into the the, the smaller shop in, in Chicago, and um, he he was expanding, you know, and they were all talking about the same thing, saying you know, hey, look, uh, even the ones that got hit a little bit, right? We've had a few partners come to us and say, hey, you know, this wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, but because of the way we pivot and we we you know we adjusted and made changes we are going to come out of this. So they did point out that it wasn't all like, Hey, this was super growth. Right. There were some that got hit with that. Like George pointed out the 300 tickets at the beginning of it all. And then that kind of declined. And then they were like, projects were drying up a little bit, but then they came up with some new ideas on education and doing things like that, that kind of pulled them out in the end. So it's been all over the place, but it sounds like, like we have a guy like, you know, MSP CFO who deals with a lot of companies and has that same point that we're talking about with everybody else is, most people stayed pretty pretty either flat or grew. And that's a pretty great accomplishment when you think about what happened. You know, there's a lot of companies, you know, outside of our community, restaurants and, you know, places like that, that have no, you know, they're coming up with options. I gotta admit, some of them are pivoting. Like I George and I think Paul, I told you the same thing. We had a Chinese food restaurant that as soon as everything shut down, they were doing mason jars of Mai Tais. So you could pick up take home and stuff and then they, well, were, the, you, you said, they were the first to open up a, they created a movie theater in the back a drive-in theater it, it, so some of these guys pivoting
0: well but you were saying the one yeah you even mentioned the one msp that went like hard into marijuana dispensaries and exactly
2: uh, yeah did the dispensary thing and that's vegas right that's why he was getting killed by the vegas economy and then early early adopted doing tech support for
0: dispensaries and it just exploded i wonder, yeah. I wonder what that feels and looks like on a day-to-day basis. Well,
2: you're still doing, it's still technology, right? We talked about this before. It's like, uh, I used to do a lot of work with, at one of my companies with power plants and people be like, whoa. It's like, it's still an office. There's an office and there's computers and you take care of their office. I'm not taking care of the, you know, the stack with the nuclear meters on it. I'm just taking care of the office. So it's similar. You have an office of people that are dealing with all the accounting, financing, sell- selling, and they have to be supported. Business is
0: very good for that. I would think twice before I'd walk into a nuclear power plant. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right, home.
1: You want to talk about some regulatory compliance? Yeah. Yeah. You know, with nuclear data. That's a whole, whole different
0: world. Yeah. I think The Simpsons does it this justice. <laughs> yeah. The fish with the third eye.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever, like, yeah, whenever, like, the nuclear power plant went off, I don't think anyone has a chance. Like, like oh, there's a radius. I'm like, there's the wind.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we have one that was fairly close to uh, Seabrook, Seabrook, New Hampshire. That was a uh, that was one that was fairly close.
0: Yeah, that's uh, any time I hear about that, I'm like, nope, suck driving another direction. Like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, what do you think? What do you guys think? You know, Q1, Q2. What do you, what are you feeling? You thinking? Yeah, I mean, listen, there's a, there's several vaccines. I was just talking to a guy in the UK an hour ago. Uh, The UK government's already did their emergency approval. They already have vaccines, you know, on the, on the way, right. Like in the truck kind of thing. So, you know, who knows how long it's going to take? Who knows how, you know, like, it it sounds great. I'm, I'm super thrilled that we're this far along. You know, I'm, I'm not a science guy, you know, like biology and chemistry and stuff, but by all accounts, this stuff takes years. Right. And they did it quick. They so. said
2: uh, normally it's ten years to find a vaccine for something that's new. That's what's pretty crazy about it, right? They got it done in ten months, right? Well. It's also scary, but and also you know two of them are still going strong, right? There was a third that came out and got uh, and completely got decimated because they were the results were way off and they were just trying to speed the process, but they weren't even there. But we still have what's it, Pfizer and Merck? Is those mm-hmm. the two? Yeah, and, and what I saw today and over the last couple of days is that, you know,
1: you talk about Q1, Q2, you're going to have to take the shot from either of the ones that comes in. you got to take it a month apart, basically. So I, I think that we're looking at normalcy in that Q2 world, starting to fire back up. No matter what we say here, you know, if it all rolls out tomorrow and people start getting their first rounds of shots, it's February before they get their second and they're really cleared. And that's the first round of people to get it. It's not going to matter. It's going to be six months into the year before we see. Yeah,
2: it's not going to matter anyways, because everybody's are, a lot of big companies have made their decisions, which are now the smaller companies are following suit a little bit, right? So the large ones are saying, we're done. 2021, we're not doing any travel, right? Those are the real big, the kind of like the Pax8s of the world are saying, well, we don't want to be the first ones jumping in, but we're thinking, you know, June, right? Q3, jumping into Q3, right? That's where I hear the most of everybody saying, we think by Q3, things will start to get back to-
0: Yeah, but that really doesn't affect the MSP having to go on site. I mean, they've been- No, no, not at all. Go. No, no.
2: No, not at all. And one other thing to remember too, that, uh, I I won't claim this as my own. It was pointed out somewhere else, but remember the flu has a vaccine too. And people die from that. So there's still, you know, everybody's like talking like this vaccine, you know, you're going to inject it and become Superman against COVID. It's, it's, there's still things to think about. So (laughs) it's great to have something, a vaccine that takes a, hopefully knocks a lot of it out, but we still have to do our due diligence with, uh, It's pretty crazy that it took a pandemic to teach people to wash their hands, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Man, you know, I just came back from Disney World, right? So I went and did Disney World and the masks thing with the family. And there are some, obviously, if anybody can do this right and put thousands of people in a place safely, it's Disney. They are taking every precaution you can imagine. But some of those precautions should have been in place in the first place. Like when you get on a ride now, between like as you walk up to the stall, at every stall, there's a hand sanitizer. And if you pay attention, like 85% of people that get on the ride use hand sanitizer before they get on the ride. And there's one for everybody when you get off. If we've been doing that in flu season forever, flu season would be much shorter and much less damaging. It's like, you know, for those of us that do fly a whole lot, I don't know that in the middle of flu season, it would have been smarter if I had to put on a mask and boarding and deboarding last year because I did get sick last year, right? Some of this stuff is like, I, I think it, it woke people up to the idea that we spend a lot of time in very, very close quarters with people that we don't know. And to your point, washing your hands and maybe a splash of the old sanitizer is not the worst thing you ever did. <laughs> so what, what So what things
0: don't go back, right? You're saying that telemedicines change things forever. You're never. It's never going to go back to the same way. It'll go back some, but maybe not all the way. You're right. saying- you know, do you know, I still don't see on sites disappearing at some point. A box blows up and it's got to be switched out, right? I mean, right.
2: But I think, I think there's still everything's going to stay hybrid. I think I do people do. like we talked about before, right? And PAX a, it's the same way. Not everybody's going back to the office ever. Some people are going to just be working from home, right? That's going to stay. Of course, there's a lot of people that like to be, you know, need to be like working with each other. We talked about that. Engineers love that environment and need it and miss it. But not everybody will. I think that some of that's going to stay the same. Yes, you're still going to go on site. Of
0: course, there's always going to be that need to go yeah, on site. But, but, Pat, but Patterson, like you're you're the prime example. What happens when you got that crappy Comcast connection that keeps on going down? Your internet keeps on going down. Now you're not waiting for, you know, school to let out for you know everybody to get on their PlayStation Five and like drown the fricking <laughs> node. Right, that's it's how already happening. Yeah, it's happening, happening, yeah, how it's that happening work? all day.
2: Yeah. And, well, and I can't even get, try to fix it because I have to let them finish school. Right. And I'm cutting into their, oh, I'm out of school, dad, but now I want to play on my game. Right. So, yeah, they're definitely bandwidth is, is is super important, but efficient bandwidth is even more important. Right. I mean, uh, we had we had our mission briefing on Tuesday and Matt Lee, probably our most technical person on the damn call, cut out a whole bunch of times because latency on Cox was having a problem on Tuesday. Yep. And so he, his head would keep freezing. You know what I mean? And he's, it's funny hearing him say, Hey, I'm having technical difficulties, right? It's like, what's going on. And you know, Matt in typical fashion at the end comes back on and has a blue screen behind him as his background. So I thought that was perfect. Um, but yeah, it's happening everywhere. Bandwidth is getting sucked up. I mean, I have, I have gigabit. So my, I shouldn't have any problems on my network, but then I start looking at my, yeah, I start looking at my latency and I'm like, Whoa, what's going on? What's happening. And my kids are upstairs on Wi-Fi getting, hardly nothing trying to just do this their
0: their work um yeah it's that's yeah, definitely an issue like listen fiber to the building's great if you can get it right. everybody right. else is running on copper lines that have been out for 40 30 40 years
1: right the line to my house was laying across the street for 4 months you drove <laughs> across the internet line that comes to my house and they I'd see a truck would pull up out there this is all the way during the pandemic from like April till August, this thing's laying out there. And you'd see the truck roll up. Comcast guy would get out, and you're like, Thank God, they're gonna bury the line. No, too many people would run it over. So they replaced the one running through the middle of the street. (laughs) Efficiency at its
2: best. But George, to your to your to also state, you know, we talked about this before on the tour with your three separate lines of communications
0: to the bus, we did pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, what, what is everybody going to have two internet providers? Is that realistic?
1: Am I the only one looking for a second internet provider for their house right now? Like, as we yeah, speak, I know. I'm not an alternative. A second.
2: I'm in a small town, and they have to okay the internet. and You know how that goes. It's all about money. So Comcast has been here for thirty years, and they will not let Verizon in or anybody else in. So we have just one choice.
0: Hmm. Wow. No, yeah, you're talking about like the franchise agreement. Yeah. 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 Wow. So let me ask this then. How realistic, like everybody's phone saying 5G now. I think that's just. Yeah, that's not. They change the label, right? Like how, like if you're not like in downtown New York, which at this point, a lot of people are leaving or LA, (laughs) they can't leave their house anyway. Like where is, like, is 5G for real? I haven't even really seen it.
1: My phone says I'm on 5G all the time. Yeah. It's no faster than it ever was before. I was sitting here staring at an email loading the other day with perfect 5G signal. So yeah. no, I, at least here, I don't I, think
2: it's real. I, I know I agree with you 100%, Paul. It's everywhere. And somebody posted on the internet the other day, 5G my ass, and they showed their phone and it was hilarious that the, it was, I don't know how low it was. It was almost like 10 K or something. <laughs> and he's like, it says, it said 5g up in the corner and he was downloading, he was showing the speed. And I was just like, yep, that makes sense. I always thought it was my phone. I'm like, was is something wrong with my phone? Like it says 5g, I got all my bars. And just to your point, Paul, I'm like, why is my email not opening up right now?
0: That's, well, but that, you, you, there is a problem with your phone. Cause you can't, even, open, you can't even use Slack on your phone.
2: Just because you're on an Apple and I got a real one.
0: Hey man, my app uh, two to two against one. Yeah. All right. Time for an upgrade. Uh
2: no, Gotta get the tablet in your pocket, baby. Tablet in your pocket. It's it, it's a phone and that's what it does.
0: I, I will tell you, I just got a brand new uh, Surface Book Three, but 15 inch screen. So
2: Ooh.
1: pretty
0: it's pretty nice. Nice. i want bad. i haven't i'm not willing
1: to bite the bullet on it but i do want that bad i covet your computer now yeah
0: (laughs) no listen i i had i had a surface book run running for a long time and i was like i got the black friday special i'm like all right 300 bucks off all right let's rock it let's do it
2: isn't that the bvoip uh standard surfaces
0: Yes, except for Brian Free, he decided HP was for him. And then he caught on the. He tells me the other day that his battery is bulging, and his battery's underneath <laughs> of, his, of his like touchpad. And so, like now, there's a bulge in his touchpad. I was oh. like, go back to the store and have him replace it, please. But you know that explains a lot about Brian Free. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got the Surface Book too, and I love it. I've I definitely liked this machine.
0: Yeah. I mean, one thing's for sure, the built-in webcam and the built-in, you know, the HD mic. I mean, when everybody was struggling finding webcams, I was like, nope, I'm good. It's right here. Yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of people now are just gonna, are like literally using the camera on their phone. It's so good.
1: Right. right
0: i tell you have what, man,
1: this 12 takes some amazing pictures. A have, have, World, you, so.
0: have you gotten the thing, like, you know, there's like the built-in magnet here, right? Where you can, like, connect it to, like, have you seen No, it? I
1: haven't done, I know, I know what you're talking about, but no, I have not done the little magnet thing. Plus, I've got the, I got a thing in the back of mine, you know, a little strap to hold it with. I'm still
0: worried about a magnet being on my phone.
2: <laughs> well,
0: no, there are they're already listening to everything you say, so what's the magnet gonna do? Maybe
2: I'm old school. No, I'm just talking about having a magnet so
0: the, your electronics, your electronics, right. right across the
1: hard drive. Remember,
2: I I, <laughs> I went to I started out in the electronics world with degaussing and using magnets to destroy stuff. <laughs> so, well, yeah, okay.
0: well, I mean, you don't have a spinning disc in your phone. I mean, is it gonna really <laughs> the flash memory card? I mean, or whatever it is they're using it.
2: Uh, old color TVs didn't have a spinning disc either. You ever see what a magnet does to those?
0: No. Should I Google it? No.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Look up degaussing old TVs. You'll see. And actually that's how you used to fix a TV. If you pulled it to the right place and pulled it away, it got your picture centered again. Hmm. It's all, it's all, it's all it was all about magnetism back in the day.
0: Yeah. I wonder yeah, how you're talking
2: about black and white TVs, right? No, yeah. not black. And- <laughs> no degaussing there. No color.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. So Paul, I mean, you know, kind of wrapping up the thought on on what we were talking earlier in the call with all these different remote technologies and file sharing technologies. And there's just so many apps out there, man. I mean, people are just downloading whatever. I mean, I was talking to somebody who's in a medical field a couple of weeks ago and they're like, yeah, you know, this other practice was used. It's like whisper down the rain. Oh, you're using that? Oh, let's try it over here. Like, how do people know Other than just, hey, I'm just going to do what everybody else does. How do people know if they're in a safe place when it comes to things that won't get them in trouble?
1: Well, I mean, I think we touched on it earlier. Everything starts with a business associate agreement, right? If they won't sign it, there's a reason. You don't try to you don't try to like conform the vendor to the compliance, right? So you find this nifty utility you would love to use it in your medical practice or your MSP that's heavy in medical. You send them a BAA, they reject it. You got to go find another utility, right? And so, for the record you're required to do vendor due diligence so it doesn't mean that microsoft is going to fill out your spreadsheet right but for a smaller software for somebody that doesn't have a track record that you really don't know anything about there's a questionnaire that you're really obligated to send out for example a compliance group you know if we sign up For a phone service, that phone vendor's got to get, even they got to get a survey from us that asks what they're doing with our stuff because we've got to be HIPAA compliant, right? That thing should happen everywhere. You've got to, you can't take people at their word. There's a contract that answers that question. It's either signed or
0: it's not. And then what happens, this is always a good one. What happens when you want to give them your version of the BAA and they want to give you their version of the BAA? And then like, you know, there's competing BAAs.
1: So the way it is supposed to work is covered entity, meaning the doctor whoever originates the PHI to their vendor and then on upstream. So I'll take b as as an easy example, right? One of your MSPs is out there. They're working with a medical group. The medical group is obligated to give that MSP their BAA. Now, if they don't, the MSP is not legally obligated necessarily to, but it's smart to give them yours. Hey, look, here's mine, we're gonna go ahead and put this in place because you're not doing what you're supposed to. By the way, that means that's a good opportunity for you to bring us in and let us try to educate these people on what to do (laughs) wrong. But where you're really obligated, where you're really worried as an MSP is that when you send somebody data, you've got to make sure that BAA gets filed, right? So back to big versus small, if I'm a Datto customer, then I'm sending, I'm going to have to use Datto's BAA, Microsoft's BAA, right? These larger corporations. If I hired that MSP, I hired this small organization over here, I'm going to give them mine. So as long as there's two things that have to happen, it's got to be in place and it's got to be enforceable. And guys, everybody out there, I'll tell you right now, a BAA is not enforceable if either party asks the other one to accept their liability. I cannot take liability for your breach and you cannot take liability for mine. It doesn't matter that you're the MSP. If my employee is screwed up, it is my fault. If your employee screwed up, it is your fault. And a well-written BAA clearly states that. You wouldn't believe how many times I have partners bring us this thing that somebody handed them and it says, you know, no matter what happens in my organization, you are responsible for my HIPAA compliance. That's not a business associate agreement. It's not something you can sign.
0: Mm. And how long, like, like a tax exemption form, do you have to re up your BAA every so often? Like how long is it good for?
1: Technically speaking, a BAA is one of those that you don't have to have an annual review or anything like, well, you don't have to renew it. You have to review the vendors that you're required to have. Right. And you need to make sure that you've got it on file, but it doesn't have to change. So if B, if B VoIP signs my BAA, I put it in my system. It's there every year. I just got to get, when I do my risk assessment, we go, still using b Yep, still got the BAA? Yep, good.
0: Okay. And then is there, I know they do this with like, I know this is one of Matt Lee's favorite, the SSO tax website, right? Where they track everyone who charges for that. But is there, you know, any centralized repository of people who are good versus not, like approved versus not? I mean, I don't know if that's the right way to say it
1: there's a very easy way to find people that screw up. It's called the HIPAA wall of shame. You can Google the HIPAA wall of shame or the OCR Office of Civil Rights wall of shame. Uh, It's a searchable database of mostly good people that bad things happen to. If you have a breach, you have an audit, you have a fine or you have a failure, your business name, your personal name is the owner, the date, the incident, all that information becomes public record and it's public record
2: forever. Can I make a note on that, Paul? make sure you search HIPAA wall of shame. <laughs> if you search wall of shame, you're going to get stuff that may not pertain to what you're looking for.
1: Yes, that's a good call. It is the HIPAA wall of shame.
2: <laughs> and
1: I'll, I'll go back to something Ken so graciously pointed out earlier. You won't find any of my
0: customers on it. That's good. Um any, any, you know, any last advice or recommendations to anyone out there who is trying to figure out what they're going to do for 2021? I mean, that is there any planning that they should be doing? Is there anything that you've seen other people get into trouble to that are just obvious things that they should do? You know, just open, open mic. You, you, you tell the world what you think.
1: I'll tell you what I think I learned this year, and it was a lesson that came in a lot of different forms. You know, at Compliancy Group, we, like a lot of the other vendors in the channel, spend a lot of time on the road at these large conferences. Our our marketing has been focused on exposing our brand and getting sales in place. And so you chase leads a specific way, right? 2020 was the year of education. The, the whole approach that you have to have when trying to drive business, when trying to work with new customers, now you've got to switch over to an educational like to an educational mind frame. What I learned talking to all those MSPs out there, I'm like, what are you doing to engage with your customers right now? I'm talking to them about their business. I'm teaching them. And, and the answer always began with, I'm talking to or I'm teaching. It was never, you know, I built a new sales presentation. It's like 12 new slides and it explains my products better and I've got new sales moving, right? I think in 2020 and beyond, we, we now as a society expect our vendors and the the businesses that that support us to talk to us and expose to us things that they see that we're falling, falling down on, other options that we might not have considered. And if you're an MSP or a service provider out there and you can do that, you can go in and spend part of your QBR, for example, teaching them something that they don't know, talking to them about what's happening in the market and not simply going back down that checklist of, you know, there's this thing that came out. We need to go ahead and get this application in place for you. The sales will come. People were, I want to say hungry, not just for knowledge, but genuine human interaction. And you talk about something that's not going away. We will never forget 18 months of isolation or however long this thing goes down.
2: We'll never forget this. So let me add my little, my piece of advice, since we're on the call with Paul, if you have any dealings with HIPAA or compliance, my advice is instead of calling Saul, you better call Paul. Oh, that's, oh, right. Paul. that's right. I, I, honestly, I learned so much. Like I said, I'm not, that's no joke. When you think about the stuff, first of all, the number of audits that are required, I used to think, oh, I got the audit. I got that audit done. And then Paul comes along and tells me there's six of them and I almost have a heart attack, right? <laughs> It's like crazy to think about. So if you have any involvement, any requirements, you should be reaching out to compliance group and talking about that. Cause that to me is the most important thing. If you if you get subject to one of these audits, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. $1.5 million average fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, thank you. Well, everyone, look for uh, Paul uh, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and at compliancegroup.com. You know, you know Ken Patterson. If if you don't know where to find Ken. You're just not looking and uh, he's everywhere. Just type in Ken Patterson and, and the internet will, will give him to you. Um, and, and please follow us again, Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, MSP initiative live. All of these sessions are recorded. Uh, so this one, you can play back, rewind fast forward on MSP initiative.com. And uh, we got a lot of good stuff that we're going to get to for the end of the year. And frankly, I'm looking forward to next year. Not because I think everything's just going to magically go away, I just think that there's a lot of good things in place. And I think that there's, you know, smart people doing smart things because, you know, ebb and flow, change is a constant, right?
2: And possibly, possibly more tours. Maybe,
0: maybe, maybe more tours.
1: That's not the worst idea you ever had. We should think about that.
0: (laughs) 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 All right, guys. I will catch you all on the flip. See you again around the corner. Uh, Everyone else, see you back on Tuesday at 1 o'clock Eastern. Bye. Thanks for
1: having me, guys. Bye, guys.
0: You got it.